Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Longshot Ballerinas, a podcast for adults pursuing excellence in ballet. My name is Sasha, and today we'll be discussing all the ways you can get the most out of your open ballet classes as an adult dancer. So grab your beverage of choice, or maybe you're listening in the car, so kick that volume up a little bit, and let's get started. My first tip for you is to take video of your dancing and review it regularly. This seems obvious in this day and age of cell phones and Instagram, but it really is a fantastic tool to improve your dancing for two reasons. The first one is you're going to create yourself a visual record of your dancing journey, which means that if you start videoing on day one and then you watch videos from day I don't know, 600, you're going to get to see that improvement and that will be incredibly motivating for you. Take it from me. I love to see the improvements I've made over the last three years to my dancing. So that's just something you can keep for yourself and cherish as you have record of your dance journey. And then the second reason is it's going to highlight all the areas of your dancing that still need improvement. So it is a little bit of an ego kick um, in the, and I mean in a bad way, and it's going to kick your ego is what I mean to say at first. But as soon as you get kind of over the shock, you will find it to be the best tool to uh, self-correct and to really jumpstart improvements in your technique. A lot of times we go to open classes and Either they have 40 or 50 students, or maybe the teacher is just not the type that's going to give personal corrections to everyone in the room. It's almost impossible. As someone who teaches large classes, um, it's very difficult, and I I do my best. But if you take video, you know you have your own self-corrections to look forward to, and it'll help you get better at analyzing movement that you're seeing. So it's also really great for identifying things that you think you're doing well, (laughs) and then you look at the video and you go, wow. I really thought I was pointing my feet and it turns out I never point my feet. This is um, a personal example. (laughs) So take it from me. It is a great tool. So don't miss out. My second tip is to always try your hardest in class. Oh, it sounds so obvious, but a lot of times I see students who are kind of just moving through the motions and they're doing just enough to kind of execute the step, but they're not really trying, um, exhausting yourself. You want to aim for exhausting the muscles after every exercise. You want your sharpest frappe. You want your stretchiest, gooeyest développé. You want to have all of those steps accelerating your improvements. And by giving more effort, even though it's really hard, especially if you're having an off day, maybe you're under the weather, um, sometimes you, you can only give so much. But if you have your full capacity, you should be trying, you should be sweating, absolutely sweating. I am 100% dripping with sweat, maybe 200%. I am the sweatiest person by the end of tondu number two. (laughs) Okay. And I mean like the second tondu combination, um, because I am turning out at my max capacity. I am lengthening through my toes at max capacity. I am holding my elbow and my back and my posture and I'm focusing, you know, it's a lot. And it's hard for me. I have troubles with focusing. Um, We have another episode coming soon about neurodivergencies in dance. Um, uh, That's going to be a good one um, in the future. But so, you know, we all have our struggles, but as much as you can aim for exhaustion. So that way, you know, you're using every ounce of time and you're not missing any opportunities to improve your technique. This leads me to um, tip number three. 
you should never be standing still for a moment in class. You should never just be plopping your feet on the ground and just staring. I really advise you to take every second of class as a chance to improve or work on a muscle group uh, or a, you know, a piece of technique. So you could be doing your rises while the instructor is explaining the next combination. That's a pretty mindless, um, or I should say a simple enough exercise that you can do rises while you're also listening to a combination. You could be working on rotating the left leg and holding your turnout because your left leg is weaker. There are lots of opportunities to find tiny improvements, micro improvements, micro exercises in those two minutes that it takes the instructor to explain the next exercise. So if you need ideas on that, you can send me a message. I have lots. Um, and then also it's good to keep in mind to be respectful when you're doing these things like, um, you know, don't be swinging your leg around too much, um, at the second combination and being distracting. So be respectful, but use all of those little seconds to improve. Uh, my fourth tip is to don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, it's always better to clarify, raise your hand, get clarification on steps or corrections, arm positions, um, counts, any musicality, artistry, you name it. If you have a question in mind, put your hand up there. It's very likely that somebody else in the class has the same question. Um, I'm not normally a very um, outspoken person. I kind of like try to stay under the radar with most things, but in class I've learned that it's such a great tool and it's so much better for my technique if I am clear on exactly what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so don't be afraid, raise your hand. I, As a teacher, I love it when people ask questions. I'd much rather clarify for you in five different ways if you need it than for you to be struggling unnecessarily with something that I could have made better. So I think all of us teachers are on the same page with that. Maybe your next class you can find something to ask and and be brave, okay? <laughs> Number six, stretch between all bar and center exercises. Um, keep the stretches appropriate. For instance, don't do the splits right after plies unless you have just an enormous range of motion. Some people are that flexible to where doing the splits is not really stretching for them. It's just kind of mobilizing. If you say you just did your plie combination and you had a couple of combres maybe forward or back, maybe you can do a slightly deeper one after that. So you're building onto your exercises with stretches that are are appropriate to what you have warmed up already. So uh, you're working up to the bigger stretches. And what I do is I try to get to the point where I can get a really long hamstring stretch. Like I'm touching my toes, my hands are on the floor. I try and find my full range of motion in hamstrings by the time, just, just before I get to Grombat Maw. And if I'm not feeling it by Grombat Maw, then I will find that uh, sometime in the early center, at least before we get to Grand Allegro. Because in order to have a good, you know, a full split leap, you need to make sure that your splits are ready. If you are, you know, surprising your muscles with some kind of range of motion that they were like not ready for, this is how you pull things, strain things, um, could possibly lead to injury depending. So um, work in those stretches because most likely your class is not going to have a full complement of stretches included. Uh, it's just really hard to do that within 90 minutes. I always try to include at least some stretching time, like free time, where I put on a track of, of music, but that's maybe only three and a half minutes, maybe. Um, so it's up to you to know what your body needs um, for that day, for that particular lesson. So always use that time. That's again, using every second of the class to work on things. And that includes stretching. And you'll have a lot more fun if you can access your full 
range of motion than if you're, you know, you're doing center adagio and, and you're still feeling tight in your hips. So whatever it is, work on those things as you get more warm at bar. Uh, tip number seven, when you are ready, <laughs> and I can't tell you when that is, it's something you have to decide for yourself, young grasshoppers, um, but attend a level that is higher than your current level, uh, even if you only go for bar. And the reason for this is it can give you a lot of insight to your dancing. Not only are you obviously probably going to be bad at some stuff because that's just what happens, or maybe you might not know a step, so you can step aside for that. That's totally normal in an advanced open class is you do what you can and you stand to the back and try and practice what you can't or what you're not comfortable doing, um, keeping up with the pack, right? Um, for me, it's always breezes. It's always breezes. Does anybody actually like breezes? They're so pretty, but I am terrible at them. So if there's breezes in a class, I am in the back, you know, jumping with the assistance of the bar <laughs> and that's fine. Okay. But what that's going to do is it's probably going to surprise you about how much you can actually do in that level. That's one step above yours. Um, and it might be scary, but if you push through those nerves and especially if you can, uh, kind of sandwich yourself in between bar spots of a couple people who look really proficient and we all know the ones that look like they know what they're doing. It's, I don't know, it's a je ne sais quoi type of a thing, but if you put yourself around people and stand in the back, and really keep an open mind, um, you might have a lot of fun. And again, you may learn something that you haven't learned before. And that might be something that you can do once a month just to sort of check in and see how your improvements are going. So be brave. I know you can do it. Moving on to tip number eight. Um, it's sometimes it's a really great idea if you're feeling overwhelmed with ballet in general to take on one big concept each class to focus on. So some examples would be turnout, uh, musicality, pointing your feet. This one is my favorite right now because I don't point my feet, which is dumb. Uh, posture, maybe port de bras, using your head. And you could get as specific or as general as you want to. But having one big concept can kind of help you, um, kind of help you guide you, especially in a class which maybe you're not familiar with. Uh, so even if the structure is a little weird. You have kind of an anchor of like, all right, but I'm still working on my turnout, even though this Tanya combination is very confusing. <laughs> as long as I'm turning out, then I've got to win. So that could be really motivating for you. Um, but also if you're in a class where maybe the teachers decided to go kind of basic and slow, that's even better for you, um, is to pick a, um, something specific to work on. So if you're only doing, you know, four tendus in first on qua type of a thing, you can still be, you know, thinking of something more detail oriented and that'll give you more of a challenge in a bit more basic class. Uh, tip number nine, ha. embrace the challenge of being terrible or behind or weak when you're in ballet class. So there's always going to be someone better than you, whether that's objectively or, um, or subjectively, you know, it might just be someone who's better at something you wish you were good at, or you wish you ha could improve on. Uh, but the challenge of that is, um, is finding inspiration in somebody else's work and letting that be positive motivation for you as opposed to, oh gosh, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, I'm never going to get good. Oh, I'm so behind. It's really easy to take those and turn them into negative criticisms when really instead you can say, wow, their pirouettes are so beautiful. I can't wait to work on mine when I go home or this weekend in my bar class in my living room. I'm going to really work on my releve so that I have great balance or whatever it is. You flip that around in your head. When you find yourself being negative, it's like good life advice. I think too is look for the positives and things. Ballet, you, you're doing ballet because you like it, I'm assuming, <laughs> um, especially as adults. Work 
coming to it because we feel called to it or it's a passion. And uh, you want to keep sight of that and take any negative things and flip them on their head and see how that changes your attitude. And, you know, you may find more encouragement when you go to class and you're, you're finding fun in the challenge and fun in the, um, in the suffering. <laughs> and I promise it, uh, that feeling doesn't go away. Um, you know, life is a string of comparisons. It is, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think the saying is comparison is the thief of joy. No, only if you let it, only if you let it be the thief of joy, it could be the bringer of joy. It can be, you know, I'm like, wow, I love working towards looking like, you know, a professional dancer or, um, you know, my favorite, whoever has your favorite port or maybe just your favorite artistry. I'm looking forward to getting there. I mean, am I ever going to get there? I have no idea. Probably not, but that's okay because the trying of it is what's fun. So try and take heart in the challenges and being terrible. <laughs> and let's see my favorite number 10, warm up for class. Say it with me. I'm going to warm up for ballet class. I am going to warm up for ballet. <laughs> okay. This is something I've tried to, uh, it's taken me, how old am I? I'm 34. I started dancing when I was like, I think I was like 11 officially. And it's taken me that long, um, up until this year to really understand the benefits and the absolute, just the necessity of preparing your body to do this thing that is impossible and difficult, which is ballet, <laughs> especially as someone, okay, those of you who are over 30, you get it. It's like you wake up one day, it's like you turn 30 and then the next day you wake up and you're like, my back hurts. Why is that? I didn't do anything. Why is my back hurt? Okay. And the joints are stiffer and the mornings are slower. And it's just, I can't imagine what I'm going to feel like, hopefully still okay when I'm 60 or 70, but, um, the body needs maintenance. It has to have constant maintenance. The older we get, our cells are decaying, whether we like it or not. And you have to take care of yourself. So what warming up is going to do is it's going to enable you to skip that awkwardness that you might feel right now when you're doing your plie combination, okay? Who has just popped into class and you ran in last minute and whether you could avoid it or not and you jump into plies right away and you're like, ooh, I usually like plies, but ow, it kind of hurts or, oh, I can't really get my full porta bra in. So you, you feel like you're kind of starting behind if you're like me. <laughs> and so... You can, you can eliminate that feeling if you take, you know, five to 15 minutes longer, if longer, I think the older you are, I think the graph is that the older you get, the more time you need to warm up. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, take at least five to 10 minutes to get your blood moving. That means do some kind of little light cardio, whether that's jog around the room a couple times, do some jumping jacks, jump in place, jog in place, get some blood going, and then get some range of motion in your joints. So I like to do kind of, um, hip circles on the floor. Um, I like to do a little short baby plank. You know, I think what scared me always about warming up is I felt like I was using energy that was precious when really you're not, you're, you're allowing your body to get used to the idea of like, all right, here we go. We're about to do something really hard. Um, and I'm not going to surprise you. So I'm not going to strain anything or pull anything because I'm not shocking my body into thinking something bad is happening, right? We're trying to give it kind of, um, a heads up 
for this split leap we're going to do in 45 minutes or in an hour and 20 minutes, okay? So you're working your body into that. So you can skip that awkward, crunchy feeling during plies and actually enjoy your plie if you take the time to warm up. And there's lots of routines out there. Um, Just experiment, find stuff that works for you. Usually I'm speed walking to class, so I kind of get my zone two cardio um, for about 15, 20 minutes from the train. So I tend to walk really fast, that works for me. So that's my low cardio. And then when I get there, I warm up my feet and my ankles. I use my rolly ball or my foot roller. Um, Anything that feels icky to you, address it. If you've got um, a foam roller, whatever it is, bring all your stuff with you and just see what makes you feel the best at the beginning of class. And uh, yeah, so promise me, you're going to start warming up. Okay, promise? Okay. (laughs) Tip number 11, let's keep going. Um, Make friends in class. Introduce yourself. Um, Start the conversation. Say hi. Give a compliment. Uh, Make that community around you. I think it's really easy to find community on the internet because, wow, we have access to everybody ever in the world, ever. Sometimes that's what we need, but I think also we need people around us. And especially if you tend to frequent the same classes every week, if you see the same people, say hi, just introduce yourself. You know, um, a good way is, yeah, give someone a compliment or ask them where they got their leotard. Or, you know, a lot of times I think people are afraid and usually this is me and I don't know I think it's part of my masking to just like be the friendly extrovert even though that's not how I really am (laughs) but it's uh, it's benefiting me so far and I've met some really lovely people that have similar goals to me or um you know have technique tips or um tell me you know about the latest and greatest um foot stretcher. I'm not sure I'm making that up, but, uh, yeah, be friendly in class. If you've seen similar faces or if you see new faces, welcome that person that looks a little nervous, or maybe if they look super new, you would be like, Oh, stand behind me. I've got the combinations really well. I've been to this class a thousand times. She always does the same, you know, 30 minutes of bar or whatever, because that'll be, that'll feel good to you. And you'll be welcoming someone who may be nervous as well. So if you've got it in you, um, try that in your next class. Tip number 12, journal or take notes immediately after your ballet class. Um, This is good if you don't, if you can't video or you're just not comfortable videoing. Um, But as soon as class is over, I go sit in the hallway or the lobby or whatever it is. I take out my little um, notebook. I have just like a super tiny one that I use just for class notes. And I write down all of my like immediate thoughts like, wow, oh my gosh, I had so much fun. And then I, I remind myself why I had fun and like, okay, I loved this combination. Um, any little things that come to mind, corrections, maybe you received personally or that you heard somebody else get and you're like, Ooh, I bet you, I need to do that as well. And then you can try that at home and then review all of these notes. I think from the previous class on your next class, um, not only that might give you some ideas for maybe, um, your overall topic, your, you know, your, your focus that you're going to use, like we talked about earlier. Um, you know, if you got a correction about pointing your feet for example, then the next class you're like, Oh, I remember that correction. I'm going to try and apply that this class and see how that goes. Um, so yeah, you'll have a, you know, now a worded record as opposed to a visual record, but it's a little bit easier if you're, if you know, videotaping is daunting to you, this is a great and, you know, equal substitute in, in my opinion, it can still be really effective if you are honest and you are thorough with your notes. So write all that stuff down and see how that informs your dancing. Number 
13. Uh, this goes along with a lot of things that we talked about is uh, come to class early to make that plan of action. So you can be thinking about your plan for what you want to do that morning of. You don't have to make this whole big, super long, involved, you know, multi-week plan. It can just be day by day. It can just be class by class. And oftentimes that's even better because it keeps you kind of in the present. And then if you have problems like I do, um, one of my neurodivergencies loves plans and loves structure. And the other one is just like absolutely needs to be as spontaneous as possible. So um, I understand both sides if you want to talk about that. But um, uh, yeah, come to class early and then that kind of signals to your brain that it's time to think about ballet. Let's do some prioritizing while I'm warming up my feet. Um, there's a lot of little multitasking things you can do that'll get you in the mood for class and help you focus and like narrow your focus from, you know, being frazzled because you just came in from work, but now you can kind of use that time to prepare. So give yourself 15 minutes before class, 20 minutes, and you should be able to get all that kind of stuff done. Uh, number 14, only wear clothes that you can completely ignore during class. Um, especially if you're having a maybe a poor body image day or maybe it's bleedy time or you're feeling low confidence because you're you're sore or you're tired or whatever it is don't wear anything that requires extra maintenance during class like a new leotard or tights that are too short that happens to me a lot um, or um, anything that's too small or something that you know rides up or sags down or you want to wear your best clothes that are going to make you feel the most confident whatever that is maybe it's it's not a Leo in tights. Maybe you're wearing your favorite workout gear, but don't pick something that's going to make you self-conscious. That's going to need adjusting all the time. You know, new leotards are fun, but you might want to try that at home where you can see how it moves before you devote an entire $20 class or maybe $25 these days before you go in and, and you have this potential distraction in your face the whole time. I would leave that for home times. Um, recently I bought this really cute leotard by Maria off a of discount dance. It was like $11. I'm like, oh my gosh, score. And it's pink and it zips up. And I'm just like, I love it but I didn't know how I was going to feel about it till I went to class and I wore it to a class and the whole time I'm just like, I'm fixing this side and I'm pulling this down and it's a little short for my torso and there's not quite enough support in the chest and all of these things are leading me to think about what I'm wearing as opposed to my technique. Um, so I didn't love that. That wasn't great. I still love leotard and I think I'd wear it now for like rehearsals and stuff. But when my mind is ready to focus, I don't want anything distracting me on my body. And tip number 15 goes along with this one and that is always wear your hair up. Okay. A ponytail is cute, but it is absolutely going to stop you from spotting properly. And messy hair is always a distraction to you, to your teacher, to your dancing, you name it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I know sometimes people are either, you know, they don't like wearing a bun or they don't feel good when they wear a bun. Um, there's lots of really cute updo hairstyles that would be secure enough for dance. So I like to do the uh, balancing S bun. It works really good because I have super long hair. Um, uh, when my hair was shorter, I loved to do a French twist. Those are not as hard as you think. You just need a practice. Don't do it in the five minutes you need to put your hair up before class. <laughs> practice some hairstyles so you get comfy when you're, you know, bored at home on a Saturday. But the ponytail is just, you're not going to be able to execute 
certain steps properly. And I see this a lot when I teach is we'll be doing, say, something as basic as shanties across the floor. And, you know, the poor person is just not able to do that effectively because they can't whip their head around because their their hair is hitting them in the eyes. Okay, so if you're a ponytail girl, I get it, or guy, I get it. I know it's cuter than a bun head. I'm sometimes, I'm such an egghead. I have this huge forehead and my face is very oval. So sometimes my bun head is just egghead. Um, so I get it. But I never wear a ponytail to dance. I, I barely even wear one to teach. Even if I do, I usually end up putting it up in a bun halfway through because I'm like, this is a horrible idea. Uh, so promise me if you're a ponytail girl, try your hair up in a bun or something where it is completely secure so that way you're not thinking about it and it's not hindering your spotting and other um, dance steps. Uh, number 16, if your teacher seems receptive, ask them your most pressing technique question at the end of class. Be brief because their time is valuable, but go up to them to say thank you and then say, do you have a second? I have a question. And I'd say nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, yeah, absolutely. Unless they've got to run over to the next studio and teach another class. I always, I love to answer questions. I love it when people ask me questions. So that's sometimes a good time is the end of class. You've kind of had uh, a little bit of time to analyze and and um, use that for your your most um, maybe comp, I don't know about complex questions question, but something that uh, you're not going to be able to find a good answer on the internet, right? Tip number 17 or 18, I'm not really sure um, at this point, but it's the penultimate tip for you is go to the classes that make sense to you and for you. So if you go to one studio, you know, you may not have very many options, but if you do, and one of them you know, if you feel like you're getting more out of one class versus the other, go to that class more frequently. Um, you know, or maybe there's a better teacher or that person explains things better for you. There's being challenged and then there's just kind of not getting your money's worth, okay? Now, there's two kinds of classes in my opinion. There's technique classes, actually three. There's technique detail-oriented classes. There's like um, uh, strenuous classes. And then you have more dancey classes. So I think if you can, get a smattering of those three because one's going to work on your artistry, one's going to work on your stamina, the other one's going to work on your technique. Obviously, all of those things mix in together. But generally, I feel like teachers teach kind of in one of those camps. So if you can get a little bit of all of those in your, in your, um, your, your weekly rotation, but if not, pick the one that you feel the most motivated to work the hardest. That might be the teacher that compliments you, notices you. Um, that might be the one that teaches a little more dancey. Whatever that is that gets you in the studio week after week after week, you're going to see improvements. So go to those classes and then you can branch out from there. But especially when you're starting or you're coming back to ballet, you want to stay motivated. So go to those classes that motivate you. And then my last tip for you is do not skip on the basics, even if you have to do them on your own at home. A lot of you, I, I notice, are either kind of early in your ballet journey or you're coming back to ballet after a while, so you have some vocabulary, And but it's really important to build on that foundation. It's a really simple analogy, but you don't want to build a house on a mud puddle. <laughs> you need that strong concrete foundation in order to have a home that's going to last you for 30 years. It's the same with ballet. Things, if you do the hard work now, the tedious work, the boring work, the not so dancey work, if you do that now, you build the strength up so that you can have an easier time later. Um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing Isabella from Ballet with Isabella. She has a podcast where she talks about this in, in in depth. And it's really true. It's a lot easier to do harder things 
if you do that difficult technique work to have a good basis, especially I've noticed um, a lot of people are either early in their point journey or that's their ultimate goal is to earn their point shoes. If you do that basic work and you are consistent with your good technique, you're doing your strengthening exercises, you're doing all that, you're going to get there. You will get there. But if you skip all that and say maybe somebody, you know, prematurely tells you that you're ready for point because they want to sell you point shoes or they want you to keep coming to their studio so they want to give you what you want, you have to have a long-term view when you are thinking ballet. Nothing in ballet comes quickly. So don't skip on those basics because it, the time will pass anyways. If you work on those right now in your early journey and as you go and as you learn and acquire more skills in ballet, that is going to get you to the goal of point shoes or that goal of being confident on the stage. You are not going to have a good time if you skip that necessary foundation. So, And every little bit helps, right? That's what we were talking about is taking advantage of all those tiny things. So you know, this sort of wraps up, I think, everything we've talked about and all the tips together. But oh boy, I think I rambled on that last one. So let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited for next week. We'll have another episode out on Thursday. If you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions, if you, you know, want to talk to me about anything, you can message me on Instagram. There's also a contact form on the website, which is longshotballerinas.com. Yeah, I hope you're having a great day at work, before dance, wherever you are listening from. Thank you for tuning in and um, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.